Welcome back to CrimeFiction.fm, where we bring the authors of today's best mysteries, thrillers, and suspense novels directly to you. I'm your host, Stephen Campbell, and I'm here with Baron Bircher, the author of the best-selling Mike Travis series, the fourth of which, Hard Latitudes, was just released. Baron, welcome. Well, thanks, Steve. It's great to be here. You know, I am a huge fan of John D. McDonald and Travis McGee. And I thought that over the course of the last 30 years, I've read every single book where there's a crime series protagonist uh, who lives anywhere on or near a boat. And somehow or other, I miss this series. And I'm so happy that I've, I've been introduced to it with, with hard latitudes. I can't wait to go and, and read the entire series. So tell listeners a little bit about Mike Travis, the, your protagonist. Well, he's a uh, he's an interesting guy, and and I uh, very much appreciate the allusion to McDonald. Of course, I, th- I think anybody that reads this genre uh, is in love with McDonald and oh, what yeah. he's done for the whole the whole business. But uh, Mike Travis, I think, is a guy that. Um, lived in my head for quite a while. He's actually, the very first book called Roadhouse Blues uh, was really kind of uh, uh, born from my association, lifetime association, with one of my very oldest uh, friends who was a Southern California homicide cop. And uh, I went through his entire career with him. We grew up together. Mm -hmm. And just watching him metamorphose into uh the cop that he became and watching him ultimately deal with what he dealt with when he retired and all the rest of it to me was really really fascinating and mike travis uh sprang from from that and um he is a retired la homicide cop who did plenty of work on the streets and uh worked in sex crimes and ultimately ended up in homicide uh, and after 20 25 years retires and wants to to really uh, create a new chapter for his own life, uh, completely leaves the police life behind, uh, the life of immersion and evil, if you will, mm-hmm. behind, and just try to live a simple life. So he builds himself a uh, rather luxury yacht. He's a man of means mm-hmm. uh, because of his family. Uh, and just wants charter boats and be a simple guy wearing shorts and being left alone. That doesn't work out for him, though, does it? It, does it would be a pretty short and boring that. series if it did. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, uh, it does not work out for him at all. And he uh, uh, is drawn into back into his former life and uh, the use of his uh, skills. Uh, the first book takes place in the Southern California area in Catalina Island. And uh, because of his experiences in that book, he says, this is obviously not far away from my life. And he relocates his boat, his business, and his life all the way to Hawaii, mm-hmm. uh, much like I did, <laughs> and uh, tries to re- restart there and discovers that even in paradise, uh, you can't run from your own life. <laughs> now... How long uh, you live in both Hawaii you spend time in Hawaii and in Oregon so uh, when did you go to Hawaii I moved to Hawaii I moved to the Big Island in uh 1996 and uh, my wife and I uh, bought some property there. Uh, we continue to grow coffee there in the Kona oh. area uh-huh. and uh, um, 
we j- just love the island life, and I found it a real conducing pl- conducive place to writing and just kind of uh, uh, freeing up my my creative uh, spirit and really delving into Mike Travis and and what a guy in his position might do and the way he might live and uh, and immerse his own self with a lot of different characters that are sort of unique to that uh, island second chapter of life kind of uh, uh, character that you meet mm-hmm. in real life when you when you make those kinds of moves and literally put a 2,000-mile moat between yourself and the rest of the world. <laughs> well, in this book, that moat was not big enough. So let's, let's talk a little bit, uh, it, it, some specifics about hard latitudes. Well, hard latitudes is uh, a story... It, 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 it's a, a difficult story. I'm always the worst guy to, to ask about. So, you know, so what's, your, what's your book about? Because I am really fascinated by uh, the butterfly effect that just exists mm-hmm. in day-to-day life that we are all sort of uh, involved in and that an event that can take place 5,000 miles away uh, can ripple through the lives of thousands, millions of people even uh, on the other side of the globe. And you never really know what the origin of what is going on here is until you're in the middle of it. Hard Latitudes is very much a story like that because it begins with a, a, a an almost banal sort of crime of theft that takes place in uh, in the mid-90s in Macau before it's transferred uh uh, from Portuguese and British uh, colonial rule to China. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the the gangs were all trying to align themselves and prepare for uh, what their future was going to look like. And this seemingly random little crime that takes place back then ripples all the way up into contemporary times and uh, devolves into uh, a horrible act of uh, um, human trafficking and uh, slavery and uh, ultimately intertwines with Mike Travis's life uh, through the means of... um, it ripples into his life due to some acquaintances that he has in Los Angeles. And it, it, and as as you said, Mike's just kind of trying to live that second stage of life in Hawaii, and it, it seems like he's trying to form a connection with this woman that's in his life, and things seem to just get in the way, and the story sort of starts once we get back to Hawaii when he gets a call from his brother – He's going to have to leave. He's going to have to break another engagement with his uh, with his new love, and uh, yeah, and we're off, and we're off to uh, California. Exactly, and then that's that's where the story really shifts into overdrive, mm-hmm. and it it I like to believe that it moves pretty quickly, and you just never see what's coming around the next bend, and poor Mike is in the middle of uh, that exact problem and trying to solve one problem for his brother, who's brought him into this mess. Um, He uh, finds himself embroiled in the middle of something far, far larger than uh, either of them could have possibly imagined. Give me the exact time frame, because I, I was a little fuzzy on that. 
Well, the uh, it it jumps in time from uh, begins in 1994 mm-hmm. with the uh, the little banal crime that I I alluded to earlier, mm-hmm. and uh, which roils into kind of a, a tidal wave of things that begin to uh, uh, become a problem. In um, let's see, two thousand five. That's what I was thinking. It was two thousand five, and when you first, when you wrote the first book in the series, it was mm-hmm. I think it was published in two thousand one. Uh, two thousand. Okay, two thousand. All right. So right. you had uh, two thousand one, two thousand two. Then there was a break uh, until two thousand eight. But unless you're going to really age Mike Travis, you've got to sort of stay in that uh, in in the two thousands. It is, uh, yeah, and that's that's part of the reason I do it. The other part of the reason I do that is I believe that uh, sometimes. Technology, um, contemporary technology, tends to overshadow some of the basic human elements of a really good police or detective story. And it gets very reliant on GPS and uh, Google and all the rest of this. And I think, now let's get back to the human element, because that's the, that's the part that really drives, for me, mm-hmm. really drives a great series is, is the uh, characterization and the dialogue and getting to know why are these people doing the stuff they're doing. And in this book, the relationship between Mike and his former partner... Uh, I, I found to be particularly interesting, and I, I, I really like Mike as a character. Uh, his former partner, the, his old life, were, were exposed to his old life in California. You know, the, there's just such a dramatic change between the guy sitting at the bar in, uh, in Hawaii, who all of a sudden is the next day looking for a, a breakfast place to, to meet with his brother and, and get the story started. In smuggy, foggy uh, yes. LA of the early two thousand, <laughs> and that was that part was so well written. The whole the whole thing of just moving from here and this life into that, where he's flying in on the plane and he's looking down, and it's very early in the morning, and traffic is bumper to bumper. He sees out the car window, and I it, I just shivered when I read it because I can't even imagine. <laughs> Well, you know, that's another one of those themes that I think, as humans, we all uh, encounter from time to time. It's just that that momentary disengagement when you get off of an airplane and you think, what the heck has happened to me? (laughs) Especially if you're coming from Hawaii. And I I live in southwest Florida now. I grew up in in a larger town, but I live in a small town now. And just the idea of that kind of traffic and smog and everything is just, oh, it's just horrifying. Yeah, it's, that in itself is rather unbearable. But I, I like to believe that uh, it was part of uh, of the the tension that gets created inside of Travis's mm-hmm. world. And uh, you know, as I said earlier, I, I'm a real believer in uh, in character and uh, character development. And that's why I love series and the whole idea of it is that you can really get to know these people and. Uh, I think that oftentimes locale can play an equally important role in a good story if uh, if it's a place that has a little bit of character, a little bit of personality, which is probably why you find a lot of uh, of these kinds of books that are written in uh, in, in Florida in mm-hmm. particular. It's a, it's rich with uh, 
a lot of interesting, not only flora and fauna, but you've got a lot of, of people that have come from a lot of different places from all over the world. And I find it interesting, you know, we're kind of delving off the, the, the subject of your books here, but I find it interesting the difference between Florida fiction, crime fiction, and California crime fiction. California crime fiction tends to be much grittier, a little more dark, and Florida crime fiction mm-hmm. seems to be wacky. Yeah, there does seem to be a little bit of that, and uh, I, I guess because I'm a Southern California guy, uh, you know, born and bred, uh, I tend to bring a little bit more of that hard-boiled, dark element into into my story. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, that's a, that's a very interesting that's a very interesting point you bring up because they they do have a good bit of humor, although uh, uh, I I do like to intersperse a moment or two of uh, lightness or at least wise guy dialogue that can give you. <laughs> chuckle in between all the uh, <laughs> horrific violence. <laughs> all right. Now, people might not guess this about you from hearing you speak. I wouldn't have if I hadn't done a little research. You have been a musician for most of your life, as, and in addition to a writer. Yeah, that's right. My uh, my earlier professional life was I spent a lot of time as a uh, songwriter and guitar player and musician, and uh, ultimately started my own label. And uh, uh, even now, uh, I and my partner are managers of some uh, acts that exist across the country. We've got some in Nashville and California, and really elsewhere. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's a it's a very interesting world to be involved in, and for me, really keeps things interesting from a from a creative point of view because to tell you the truth, I find a great similarity between the music uh the elements of music and the elements of really good writing. Really? In that there there's a to me, there's a rhythm and there's a word choice and there are uh um imagery and other issues that are very, very similar that can come across in really fine writing and, and I always think about People like James Lee Burke, which to me is, you know, our, our generation's contemporary master of mm-hmm. the, the language. And I think about his word choices and the, and the way that he describes things and the way that he unveils a story. And it's very much like an epic piece of music because there is a rhythm and there is, there are codas, there are themes that, that get returned to that begin at the beginning of a book and you return to them at the end of a book and it all ties it all together, much like a really good song. Would do. You mentioned rhythm, and I think that's so true. The idea, as readers, we don't really pick up on it that much. We notice it more when there isn't rhythm or, or when the, the book falls out of rhythm and then you're just like, what just happened? Exactly. <laughs> but, I think that's one of those things, you, I, I believe you hit it on the head because it's, it's the thing you notice when it's not there. Yeah, it's, like, it's almost like uh, somebody just missed a note <laughs> and it's, it's just right, right, it's right, right out there, yeah. Yeah, and, and, you know, uh, misplaced dialogue or what have you can read a little bit like a clunky note in a song as well. Where it's like, right. Where'd that come from? What's going on there? You're, you're absolutely right about that. Let, let's talk very briefly, because we're running out of time, but very briefly about the timing for the series. The first book was 2001, as we mentioned, then 2002, then mm-hmm. 2008, and then a big gap to 2015. So right. what happened? Were you busy writing songs or growing coffee? 
I was growing coffee and uh, building my management business with my uh, managing partner, uh, who's a California guy. So we mm-hmm. kind of had a long-distance business that we were building that involved a lot of travel and a lot of uh, interaction with artists. And, you know, when you're in the management business, you're actually going with the uh, artists on tour, and you're with them, and you're helping them formulate songs for albums and putting projects together. And I found it to be a really great source of uh, inspiration for me. And, of course, I'm keeping uh, notes of what I want to do, and all my ideas are bubbling up while I'm doing that. But it took a little bit of focus to... uh, <laughs> to get back into it, and I finally finally got the time to do it because I have to tell you, my my first love really is writing, and I love this series, and I love these characters, and Mike Travis is just uh, he's part part of me. I I would think it would have been difficult to just go through that long period of time when you have to see things and go, oh, this is the way Mike would handle this, or read stories and say, oh, this would make a great a great Mike Travis story and and just have to wait until you had time to be able to get back to it again. Oh, Steve, uh, absolutely right, and I filled notebooks with them. And the, the good news is, the outcome is, I'm, I'm filled with uh, a backlog of stories that want to be written, and that's what I'm doing every day now. Uh, that is good because this is the kind of series that can go on for a long time. Well, I, I really appreciate your saying that, and uh, uh, I'm really proud of Hard Latitudes. I love where it has taken Mike, and uh, I. And one other thing that that I wanted to point out as well is that uh, all of the books. Uh, have a have a really interesting interrelationship, as you will see as you read through the entire series. Mm-hmm. There are characters and there are people that that will show up in book one, and you might not see them again until book three. And in fact, I wrote a standalone about one of the characters, so he even ties in together. Even that standalone book ties together with the series uh, because that particular character was so interesting to me. I thought, oh. Now he needs his own book. Well, Baron, I was so happy to have read this book. I, I can't wait to dig into the entire series and, and see where you take this. What's the best way for people to keep up with you and the series and everything you're doing and see these great pictures of you with these famous musicians? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, my website is Baron R. Bircher. Uh, .com. I will have a link to that. The spelling is a little bit unusual. I'll have a link to that in the show notes at crimefiction.fm. So if you don't find it right off the bat, just uh, stop by the website and I will link to it. Sorry, go ahead. Outstanding. And there's a, there's a bunch of stuff on Amazon. All the books are available on Amazon. Uh, most of them, uh, all of them, on Kindle as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm also on Facebook. So you can find me on Facebook, Baron Bircher, just and it's Bircher, B-I-R-T-C-H-E-R. That's where I keep getting confused. Is, I keep dropping the T. Yes, and it's Baron with one R, like the Red Baron. So, <laughs> I, I, am, uh, I am sort of uh, hamstrung with uh, unique spellings. <laughs> well, Baron, this has been great fun. I've appreciated your time. Thanks, Steve, so much. It's been a delight to be with you. This is Stephen Campbell for CrimeFiction.fm. You can find us on iTunes and on the web at www.crimefiction.fm. If you are an iTunes listener, please subscribe and give us a rating or review. Those will help other crime fiction readers find great new books like Hard Latitudes from Baron Bircher. Thanks for listening.